Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Colossians chapter 1. It reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ the Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. As we turn the page and jump into a new book, here we have an interesting epistle that Paul is writing to a church that was not a church that he founded. In fact, we see here in chapter 1 that Epaphras was the person who brought the gospel to this area and founded that church. And so he most likely encountered the gospel in Ephesus and had traveled back to Colossae and is giving them the gospel and giving them the opportunity to learn and grow in their faith. And so Paul is writing to these people a Addressing a certain issue that has popped up. And as the different individuals have come into this area and have started to question some things, Paul wants to go ahead and clear those up. And a big tenet of what he is trying to do 
we can see in his prayer here for these people. Look down at verse 9, and that's where we're really going to center in today for our passage, is on verses 9 and 10, where it says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so when we think about this challenge, what does it look like to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that they have? And so as they are called to do this, it's demonstrating a fact that there's probably something going on that makes it so that they are not or are tempted to not walk in accordance with that. And so here he develops an idea and he develops this concept of how they will know what a manner worthy of their calling looks like and how they will know how to act. So he starts by focusing on who God is who Jesus is, and he develops that here in this passage. And as we walk through that, we see a lot of amazing things that are demonstrated about the deity and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. We see that he created all things. We see that he created those things that are visible and invisible. We see that he is before all of these things, and he is the head of the church. And so if we're walking worthy of the manner of this magnificent Jesus, that he is telling us about, we understand some of the fullness of who he is and how great he is, his majesty, his authority, all of these different things that are coming to our mind as we develop a picture of who Christ is. And then he reminds us of where we once were. We were alienated from God. We were his enemies. We were working against him But he brought us to himself. He reconciled us. He restored us in the relationship to God so that we could be brought back to the place that we were created to be so that it's possible for us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. And it's possible for us to come before the Lord because of what has taken place. And that should be something that's not only an opportunity for us to dwell upon the grace of God, to marvel at the fact that he would choose to save any of us, But also it's a humbling truth that's important for them to display as a mindset as they're working through these challenges that they're facing. As these individuals have come in and are starting to teach them different things, they need to go back to the basis of the gospel, the gospel and the greatness of Jesus Christ, and to remember to walk according to the example that was set out before them because of who Jesus is. And we're going to see that that example is put on display many times here in the book of Colossians as the focal point for us to look to. Look to Christ and imitate his behavior. Be like the individuals who are following him truly for who he is and not for these different things that are going to pop up. And so Paul wants them to know that. Paul wants them to experience that. Paul wants them to marvel in what he calls in this chapter the mystery of the gospel, that the Gentiles have been included in what God is doing in the world, that they are now able to participate in the blessings of what Jesus is doing because of him opening up God's family to the people beyond the Jewish people. And they're challenged to work through this as they discover what God is doing in their midst. And as they look to Paul in the teaching that he's going to have to give them greater instruction here in the book of Colossians. As far as a question from this chapter, I want us to look here at verse 15. It begins by saying, he is the image of the invisible God. 
And I want us to look at what this means, because when we think about the image, we think about something that is visible. And so this word that's here in the Greek, this icon, and we get our word icon from it. It looks a little bit different in the Greek, but it's the word icon or the development of that through that language, which entails a copy or an image or a likeness of the original. And so as we think about that, it's developing this thought that the fullness of who Jesus is, is an icon or an image or a likeness of the fullness of who God is. And so that's something that's really hard for us to grasp when we think about God being invisible and Jesus being visible. And so if we're to copy this and just think in terms of obviously something like art, when we look at a picture and we copy a picture, we're copying visible to visible. It's really easy for us to say, oh, this was a good copy or this was a bad copy. If we sat down and we had all of us try to copy the same picture, we would be able to grade those copies from poor to excellent. We would be able to show the ones that were an exact image or an exact copy versus the ones that were hastily done. But when we get into this concept of copying with something that is visible from the invisible, it's something that in many ways really just probably messes with our minds. How do I copy the image of something that is invisible? It's important for us to see how some of the other authors of scripture helped develop this thought in the way in which they use the words to describe who Jesus is. In Hebrews 1.3, we see that he is the imprint there or the exact representation of the nature of God. When we look at that word that's describing there the imprint or the exact representation, it's different than the word icon that we're talking about here, but it's really talking about like it's the engraving of it, or it's something that was put into wood or etched into something. So he's the perfect imprint, the exact nature of God is on who the person of Jesus Christ is. And so it's something that we really are wrestling with. How do I look at this thing that is invisible, God, and I can't understand or see it, but I see in some ways now the nature and the icon, the image, the likeness, the imprint of who God is by the person in the nature, in the character and attributes of who Jesus is. And so that helps us to develop a greater understanding of who God is, because we can now take something that is invisible and somewhat ethereal, and we can see it in terms of a human relationship, in the way in which Jesus relates to others, the way in which he speaks, the way in which he acts, the way in which he displays emotions, the way in which he displays compassion and love and and care for those around him. And so that helps us to grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, not only, but also who God the Father is. And so I think it's important for us to dwell on that fact and to think and to wrestle with that and to remind ourselves that though it is often difficult for us to think of God as being invisible, that we were given an image, a likeness, 
in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, for us to experience the personal nature of the God that we serve. And so as you reflect on that today, as you work through this passage, as you look at other places that might be bringing up questions that you would like to answer, I pray that you would find a place to anchor your faith in today, that you would grow and develop your love for the Lord, and that you would know today you were loved.